0: Hello, welcome to the Chibi Anime Podcast. If you're checking this out because you're super into anime like I am, and maybe, like me, you grew up in the 90s watching anime episodes on 4 Kids TV, YouTube or Cartoon Network, hi, welcome. Side note on that one, does anyone else remember having to search online for all of the matching parts of a single episode that someone else uploaded randomly? It took ages to be able to find every upload for an episode. A single episode, like part 3 or 5, would always be missing for some reason. I have so much love for servers like Crunchyroll now for making it so much easier to watch anime. So thank you, thank you so much for the development of the internet and technology. Anyway, anyway, I'm Ryan, hello, welcome, and in this podcast we'll talk all things anime. From the history of anime news within the industry and everything in between for this episode we're going to take a look at the history of anime and most people when i say i'm into anime they say and i'm sure i'm sure you guys have heard the same at some point at least maybe once they say isn't anime just a japanese cartoon and the word anime is derived from the word animation and in japan it is used to describe any animation but the rest of the world has specifically taken to using the word in relation to sp- animation that comes from Japan. So when did that quote-unquote anime begin? So to find that out, we need to take a step back, like really far back. So we need to go back to like late 1916, early 1917. So during World War I, with the Japanese animation format and industry, ...being in its infancy. So each video was around five minutes long... ...and made using a type of Japanese paper and chalk... ...by, and this is a side note... ...I am English and I will try my best to say the Japanese names. I will try my best. I will butcher them, unfortunately... But please bear with me, I will try my best. So they were made using chalk and Japanese paper. And the first one that we've seen, or the first I could find, was by a man called Shimokawa Oten. And the first commercial anime that we know of was released by Dekobō Shinagacho, called Mian no Shippai. In English, that translates around to Dekobō's new picture book, A Failure of a Great Plan. The year 1917 also saw the creation of around 20 short animated films in Japan. There are some images of what the short films looked like and we know anime today as having characters with large eyes, wild hair and outfits and worlds that are larger than life. But the animations at this time appear to lean more towards the cuter aesthetic it wasn't for much later in the anime industry as a whole that they went towards the visual look and style that we know today. So people started to take notice of this new medium and manga artists Oten Shinokawa and Junichi Kuchi and painter Siyacharo Kitayama were amongst them. Now, many people may not have heard of these names or known of these people, but these are known as the fathers of anime and this trio was hired by existing film studios at the time and they were responsible for the output of anime at that time so it's thanks to them that the entire industry itself of anime really even exists and it sounds like we owe our obsessions and at least my childhood to these guys these films were again only short being around five minutes long with a focus on light-heartedness and stories of samurai and folk tales. They were often silent, using live music and narrators called Benshi to narrate the story as it played. So, as the anime industry began to find its feet, in 1923, what's now called the Great Kanto Earthquake, now, side note, actual Kanto in Japan, not the region in Pokemon, hit Japan. It was a magnitude 7.9 earthquake, and around 140,000 people sadly died. Tokyo was mostly destroyed in the disaster, along with most of the anime industry at the time. After this disaster, the anime industry continued to struggle, with it being unable to respond to the latest innovations coming from the West, such as the first talkies, so films with sound, in 1929, and colour film in 1932. It was during this time, however, that Fuji Nabaro won international acclaim for Bujado no Kozoku, in English, The Thief of Baghdad Castle, which he made using coloured paper and the film is remembered today as the first to make its presence felt outside of Japan. The film is 15 minutes long and has a message around happiness and how you can't buy it, which seems like an nice message. From what I found, the reviews today aren't great uh, from a story perspective. However, I think when we look back at early works, especially works around this time when when you know they're trying something different, I think it's important to remember that this anime is much different to what we know today. So it's kind of hard to pass judgment on something like that. The 1930s continued to be filled with Japan creating animation, but they mostly focused on propaganda and commercialisation. I think it's interesting, especially when we look at modern day Japan and how important and influential anime has been and is in the country. It seems that companies and government knew how popular this medium could be for sharing messages and get, getting people's attention. I guess at that time, this kind of style really stood out from photography and, and traditional styles of illustration. I guess it really stood apart. So the anime industry continued like this for a while. But in 1945, with World War II finally coming to an end, the Momotaro, Yuni no Shippai, and black and white film was released. This film was 74 minutes long, so the longest anime to be released, and it was by the Navy as a piece of propaganda. You can find images of this and clips of the, of the films I've mentioned, so I will leave some links in the show notes. It's now at this point in time where we start to see the founding of one of the largest anime companies within Japan. As Japan recovered from the war, Akawa Hiroshi saw Snow White by Walt Disney and fell in love with the colours used in the film and its animation style. This led to him buying his own studio in 1956, naming it Toei Doga, what is now Toei Animation. His aim was to be the Disney of the East. Some of you may be aware of Toei Animation, and I think it's this studio that was one of the largest that had an impact on my childhood and the stories I grew up with. Toei Animation is responsible for the likes of Dragon Ball, Digimon, One Piece and one of my most key anime, Sailor Moon, which I still love to this day. The first anime to be released by Toei was in 1958 called Hakujaden or Hakujaden In English, The Legend of the White Serpent. So only two years after being founded, they published the film. The film was in full colour and after looking at some of the stills from the film, It's clear that some of the influences that inspired the aesthetic direction for the film. In fact, as part of the production of the film, they sent a team of researchers to the USA and invited several experts to Japan as mentors in an effort to learn as much as they can from them. This allowed them to adopt and master the assembly line, quote unquote, production. It's super nice to look at and with super rich colours, especially the blues and the red tones are super saturated and really strong. One bit I do love about this animation are the cute chibi-style animals that are featured. They're really, really cute. I'll leave some links in the show notes. So, anime seemed to find its perfect format, and got its big break when it moved to the exciting new format of television in the 1960s. The first anime to hit the TV were manga adoptions, some being Sally the Witch and Kid with His Giant Robot by Toei and TCG Icon respectively. Although 1963 was when I would say that the first type of modern anime was created and released, some of you may know the title and may have even watched it. Tetsuwan Otomo or Astro Boy was released in 1963 and ran for four seasons, ending in 1966 after 193 episodes. Created by Osamu Tezuka and Mushi Production. This was the first anime to have a sequential plot and became the first major anime export from Japan to America airing on NBC. So I called this the first modern style of anime because of its styling. So it's with this series that we start to see large eyes, an interesting hairstyle and a kind of wacky or almost larger-than-life plot. So let's take a look at the plot for Astro Boy. So it's actually set in the year 2003 which is obviously quite distantly in the future from 1960s. So the plot is in the year 2003 Tobio Tenma is traveling down with the electric highway 66 or on the highway should I say. A highway claimed to be the fastest made by man when suddenly Tobio collides with an oncoming vehicle and is killed instantly. When his father, Dr. Amotaro Tenma, discovers his body, he is instantly distraught and begins to go insane. Dr. Tenma becomes obsessed with the new project to build a robot in the image of his deceased son. He shifts all focus to the Ministry of Science to the production of his new robot. After one year, Tenma's project robot is a success and he gives life to a new robot and names him Astro Boy. Tenma attempts to make the new robot a son of his own. He teaches him to eat and perform arithmetic and he continues to teach him everything that would make him similar to a real boy. Tenma discovered that even though Astro had achieved everything he wanted of him, he still couldn't grow like a living boy. This made the irrational Tenma so angry that he sold Astro away henneberg's robot circus so it's quite an interesting plot quite a dark plot when when you read it out loud but that is one of the key differences i sometimes say to people that say you know anime is just a japanese cartoon is that some of the storylines behind them often have quite a dark undertone or more serious undertone whereas a cartoon can often just be Flaps and giggles. So it's after this release that the anime industry really began to take shape It find its style with anime such as Speed Racer, Prince Planet, Cyborg 009 being similar in style to Astro Boy. It's during the late 1960s that we see the first of many genres of anime being created, such as the first martial arts anime, the first anime to feature a five unit superhero team and the first superhero anime, first racing anime, and the first magical girl anime, to name a few. So the 60s was really the golden year for anime, with year upon year of new milestones, with new creation. So in 1965, Kimba the White Lion was the first colour TV anime series. In 1966, Mahou Tsukai Sally was the first magical girl genre of anime, and one that inspired one of the largest genres of anime today. In 1968, we saw the release of Yukai Ninja Ben, the first anime with the theme of monsters and demons, and a theme that today is one of the most popular within the anime community. In 1969, Himitsu no Akuchan, a magical girl anime, pioneered the first magical girl transformation, a move that inspired anime such as Sailor Moon and Car Captain Sakura in later years. Both series I hold very close to my heart because of how I grew up with them in the 90s. So following on from how the industry started to find its feet during the 1960s and towards that later years, the 1970s started to see the rise of more studios, but also see the slight back end of the unsettlement in the industry and the lack of funds that are starting to become quite prominent unless you are a larger anime house. In 1972, Madhouse Productions uh, or Madhouse Studio founded and this was during the time that Mushi Productions declared bankruptcy in 1973 after struggling those financial difficulties. This same studio, however, however, did have a resurrection in 1977 and has continued to operate since, which is great. I think it's great to see that studios, although they may have a rocky start, are worth returning to and uh, worth digging up the projects again and re, re, reuniting the team almost. So Sunrise Studios also founded that same year in 1972 and this studio has since become more well-known as its more modern name and that name I'm sure you'll be aware of. Um, it's Bandai Namco. They're one of the biggest names in Japan and if you have any... Anime Merchandise, it is quite likely that somewhere on that, there will be a Bandai Namco logo. And these have been one of the biggest powerhouses when it comes to anime since their founding. In In 1974, one of the biggest names, Miyazaki and Takahata, released Heidi, Girl of the Alps, in 1974. So, And this ran for four seasons, and some of you may recognise their names. These two later founded the world famous Studio Ghibli which I'm sure all of you hopefully have heard of and we will take a deep dive into Studio Ghibli in the next episode but also I will do a separate podcast I think around Studio Ghibli because there's so much to talk about with those two and that studio as a whole. So this season, uh Heidi Girl, of the Alps ran for four seasons and looking at the images from the series, I've never watched it personally, but there is a clear resemblance between the art style and art direction of the the series and the later studio Ghibli movies. There's a quite clear aesthetic and I wonder if this series was almost a trial for those those two as a team to really Determine a style that worked for them and work on a style that eventually everybody has come to love and find absolutely iconic. In 1974, that same year, we also saw the birth of the space opera genre. And one of the big headline animes for this time was Space Battleships Yamato. ...by Academy Productions. It was one of the biggest successes for the new genre... ...and went on to be dubbed in multiple languages. I think that's something we see quite a lot... ...if we look back into the 70s of anime. We start to see this pairing of uh, Japan and America... ...in the West and the UK... ...where anime started to get dubbed in multiple languages... ...to sh- be shared across the world... ...instead of them being more localised in Japan. So this series inspired many others similar and helped to shape the sci-fi genre of anime in the coming years and decades. As the series gained more and more of a following, the media empire around it grew to include manga, video games and other merchandise to really capitalise on the success of the anime. And it also is said that this series helped to inspire the video game Space Invaders, that really iconic game, so it is really cool to see a link between such an iconic game such as space invaders and anime so sunrise back to those it was sunrise that gave rise if you will to one of the biggest trends in anime history that will continue for years and the decades that followed and still today and one that inspired other shows and themes the mecha genre the mecha theme although not one of my personal favorites there is a very cool aesthetic that comes from them, a very futuristic aesthetic, which we see quite often in the decades of the 90s. Biggest success from this kind of genre was Mobile Suit Gundam in 1979, a series that many of you may be fans of. It's got quite a cult following, and I've never watched it, but it does look very, very cool. So this series was one of the biggest for the studio and has multiple series, OVAs, manga, novels, video games and toys and the toys became one of the biggest selling areas of the franchise the toys did really really well and the anime because of how closely tied they were with every area and every level of the franchise the anime helped to sell the toys and the toys helped to promote the anime which helped to promote the games and the novels all of them helped to promote each other which I think is just Perfect from a marketing strategy point of view. It seemed that anime had a slow, almost non-start as a genre until the 1960s, when thanks to new innovations and techniques, creators could truly show their creativity and share inspired stories thanks to manga writers that anime got some of their first storylines and it's interesting to see that the two mediums that are inseparable today of anime and manga were the same back then and often inspired one another so thank you for joining me on the first part of anime history thank you for joining me on the first episode of this podcast my first podcast so thank you so much for checking it out it really does mean a lot every like every comment i know you may hear it on every podcast but it, it really would mean the world. I would really appreciate every like. So in the show notes, you'll find all the reference links to, from my research and some links you can watch some of the animations mentioned during the episode and see some of the imagery from some of those super, super early parts of anime. Next time, we'll go further in time and we'll discuss anime during the 80s and the amazing 90s where I found them all. So be sure to hit subscribe. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Facebook if you just search to Believe Anime. And I'll see you next time. Thanks.